Psalm 124. <clears throat> if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it hadn't been for the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. This is the very word of God. these guys I, I would I would mess it up it's truly an honor to be with you across town this morning since since moving back uh, to Oklahoma City I grew up in Oklahoma City but since moving back to Oklahoma City uh, in 2017 to plant Grace Harbor I have I have had con consistent interaction with with crosstown folks some intentionally and some uh, unknowingly and I not yet have I had any negative interactions with crosstowners uh, normally that has something to do with my children, and so if my children do something, just let me know. Uh, but I have not had any negative uh, interactions with Crosstowner, but rather God has used uh, the impact of Crosstown uh, to really have an enormous impact on my life and ministry. Um, I, I, there's stories that I just don't have time to share, but I assure you that this is not your typical uh, you know, visiting preacher introduction where you just say nice things that you don't mean. I've got names and I've got receipts. Uh, from, from people that um, have just blessed my life in certain ways. Emily Fry, I think, was one of the first. Uh, I remember meeting Jacob uh, several years ago in, uh, in, in the same coffee shop that I met Ben. Um, and so just the, the impact that Crosstown has and the way that I've seen uh, the, the love um, and the grace of God uh, flow from you um, in your interactions with one another um, and in your uh, mission, living on mission here in the city um, has, been, has been a deep ministry to me. And so all that to say, um, as, as uh, Pastor Ben has already kind of established for us, uh, today we're going to be talking about thankfulness. Um, I'm, I'm very thankful and very honored uh, to be here today and to spend some time in Psalm chapter 124. And so uh, we're, we're going to be reading through Psalm 124. Um, and something that I have found about the Psalms for myself uh, and, 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 and interactions that I've had with other people is that there's somewhat of a, of a uh, complicated relationship with the Psalms. Um, I don't know about you, but I've, I've had church members say to me, I don't like the Psalms. <laughs> um, and, and maybe that resonates with some of you. You're just like, you know, they just don't, don't resonate with me. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't connect with me. And then uh, for others of you, maybe you remember a time in your life where that was the case, um, and as the Lord, then the Lord grew your love and uh, your connection with the Psalms. And so um, I think that there's some, some things that we're able to see in the Psalms that will help us, help the Psalms come alive in a really good way. And so typically, it's, it is, uh, it's, it's common but not always helpful uh, to read the scriptures through particular lenses, right? 
Um, it's, it's easy for us to bring certain experiences, certain lenses to our reading of the scriptures, um, and then to kind of understand the scriptures through particular lenses. But again, that's not always helpful. Um, it, it, it sometimes makes us end with uh, unhelpful and inaccurate conclusions about the scriptures um, that will lead us into all sorts of craziness. But there are three lenses um, that, that I have found, just kind of as a way to set up where we're going to be in Psalm 124, if you happen to be one of those people who you're just kind of like, ah, I need you to convince me on the Psalms. Uh, that, that's okay. You're welcome here. Um, there, there are a few lenses uh, that, that I have found that are mostly safe um, to read really the whole of scriptures through and really have resulted in more of a, of a robust uh, relationship that I have with the Psalms. I want to just share with you those three things real quick. Uh, because I think they'll be very helpful for today's psalms as well. The first lens that is helpful and really rarely ever dangerous to read the scriptures or the psalms through is the lens of covenant, the lens of the covenant that God has made with his people. Um, and so maybe, you, maybe you're tempted to read with the lens of your own culture and your own experience, but one of, the, one of the ways that we can read the psalms and the scriptures in a way that is pretty much always safe for us is through a lens of the covenant that God has made with his people. And so reading the scriptures through the lens of what God has covenanted with his people is not only helpful in understanding the whole of scriptures, but the psalms. And so how many of the psalms really are a... Um, are, are an example of just that, of, a, of, a, of a, an example of the covenant faithfulness of God, a recollection that the people of the Psalms are writing, a recollection of the faithfulness of God to his covenant people. I think we're going to see that today. Another lens that we, that we may read the Psalms through that will be very helpful for us is through the lens of God's character. And so we read through the lens of God's covenant, but his covenant doesn't mean a whole lot if God's character is not good. Um, the, the, through the lens of God's character, the, the, the question that we find, that we ask ourselves is, who is God? Who, who is God? Well, look at what God does and look at how God interacts with his people, and God's actions are not random or sporadic, are they? They're not, they're not just, they're not random, they're, they're, they're not sporadic, but they are rooted in who God is. And so as we read the Psalms, we can read through the lens of, hey, this is who God is, and God is simply operating based on who he is and who, who he is in his character. And then a, a third helpful lens that, that some people kind of fall on both sides of uh, exactly how, do we, how much do we read the, the scriptures through a Christ-centered lens. Um, if I make any mess today, just email Pastor Ben. He can clean up any mess that I make. But I think a third lens to read the Psalms through that will help the, the Psalms come alive is through a Christ-centered lens. Um, a lens, uh, a Christocentric lens. And so not every psalm is immediately about Christ, and we do need to understand the psalms in their immediate context, but the psalms are to ultimately point us to the grand redemptive plan that God has had eternally, uh, the, the plan that God has set forth. And so, you know, we, we, we understand that I am not the point and you are not the point of the intense sufferings of Psalm chapter 88, you are not the point, and I am not the point of the extraordinary innocence of Psalm 17. You read Psalms at times where the psalmist is saying, you know, there is no impure way within me. There's, I'm like, well, that can't be about me, right? Um, and, and then, of course, you have Peter in Acts 2 tell us explicitly that the, that the one who would not see corruption of Psalm 16 was Christ. And so we, we read the Psalms through a Christ-centered lens. And so 
the, the, the reason why we need some of these frameworks is because we have individualized and personalized and even commercialized the Psalms to such a degree where they have become so removed from how the people of God would have originally and historically understood them. And so, I mean, you, you know the joke. You listen to all the pastors talk about the Hobby Lobby verses, the, 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 the verses on uh, the Psalms verses on the uh, overhead mantelpieces at Hobby Lobby, right? Um, we have commercialized the Psalms. We have individualized the Psalms. We have, uh, last week, was listening to, a, uh, listening to I, was, I was at a conference with one of my brothers from Papua New Guinea um, who is serving people there, and you may, you may know who he is, uh, but he told the, con- the, the group that we were with, he said, finish this sentence, uh, be still and know that I am God. Can you say the rest of that verse? I will be exalted among the nations. Why isn't that on the why isn't that on the painting above the mantles? And so we have commercialized and individualized and personalized these these psalms so much probably to a detriment to to how we truly ought to understand this. And so these three lenses they won't allow us to do that. When we read covenantally when we read through the lens of the character of who God is and that these, the, the way that he operates in the Psalms are not, again, random or sporadic, but no rooted in who God is, and we read them through the lens of who Christ is and what Christ has accomplished, they will not allow us to individualize and internalize these Psalms as much as we have. And so Psalm 124, our text today, um, Psalm 124 is an exercise in thankfulness for the covenant people of God. That's, that's what we see in Psalm 124. It's really an, an exercise, really an example in thankfulness from the covenant people of God. Now, is all that can be said about thankfulness contained in Psalm 124? Certainly not. No, but it is a play, place for us to pay careful attention as we witness thankful remembrance in action. And so what we're, we're going we're to read this here in just a moment again, just kind of walking through this, but C.S. Lewis said that joy is the serious business of heaven. That joy is the serious business of heaven. In a similar way, I would submit to you that thankfulness is the consistent posture of the faithful. If joy is the serious business of heaven, then thankfulness is the, the default posture, the default position of those who are faithfully following after the Lord. And so we, I would just want us to look at three things. These, these are real this is a real clean three points for you this morning. For those of you who like bullet lists, uh, this is a, a, a real clean list for you. There's three things that I want us to see um, in regard to instructing us as being living as thankful people. The first thing that we see um, in verses one through five is that the psalmist recalls hardship. Let's, let's read that. Um, psalm 124, a song of a sense of David. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when the people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. The first move that the psalmist makes in this posture of thankfulness is recalling the hardship that the the people of God endured, that the people of God endured. And so Psalm 124 characterizes for us a deep, transcendent thankfulness. This is not like your go around the table on Thanksgiving morning thankfulness, right? Where like the leader of the family says something super profound um, and then crazy uncle's turn, right? And you're just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, this, isn't, this isn't just random 
uh, thankfulness. No, this is a this characterizes a deep, transcendent thankfulness in the people of God. A thankfulness that verse three says that that is aware that if the Lord had not intervened, that the people of God would have been completely taken over and completely taken under. And this is a this is a recollection of the preserving grace and mercy of our Lord, who who in the time of our despair and in the time of what seemed was going to be our destruction, that God intervened. It may be that this psalm refers to, uh, Pastor Ben said that maybe several years ago, y'all went to the Psalms of Ascent. Um, and so, so maybe Ben kind of cleared some of this up for you. We don't have time to go just too deep into every detail of it. Um, and so maybe y'all know the answer to this, but, but it may be that, that this particular psalm refers to the dangers and the turmoil that the Israelites faced during the Babylonian captivity. Uh, but but it, you can also see where it echoes and what's common of the Psalms and, and common of the covenant people of God um, that, that many times they are recalling their delivery from Egypt. They are recalling when God brought them out of Egypt um, into the promised land. They are remembering that time and even those who are not there firsthand for it will recall as their own deliverance. This was my deliverance, not just the deliverance of my grandfathers, but this was because I am so identified with my people, is what, how the psalmist would say, this was my own deliverance. And they would recall it for themselves almost firsthand. And so the, this, this may be, again, we don't know whether it's the, the Babylonian captivity, the, the, the captivity while they were in Egypt, but, but what we do know is that the people of God were very familiar and very consistent and, and, and very disciplined in being a thankful people. You know, the Christian faith is, is one of really intriguing and maybe even offensive dichotomies, right? Contrasts. Uh, rejoice in suffering, right? How does that sound to the world? Uh, rejoice in suffering. Uh, what, about, what about to die is gain? Uh, what about in the song that we sang this morning, Christ is mine forevermore, I know that my pain will not be wasted that the Christian faith is one of such deep, transcendent, profound truths that are profound to us but confound the world, right? Uh, that, that there is this, 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 this very, um, very interesting contrast in, in so many of the truths that I was listening to an interview yesterday and, and it, was, it was this guy sharing about his faith and, and uh, really just kind of like out of nowhere, he, the, the, the interviewer asked him like, hey, how do you, like, how do you know that like all this is legit and all of it's true? And, and the, guy, the guy on this secular, uh, this secular space um, on this interview just was just like, it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, and I was thinking like, if I was not a believer and I heard this guy say something, I would have just spit out my drink. But we are a people who truly confess the fact that, hey, we are, we are led by a God who interacts. We are led and loved by a God who, who came and who, who, uh, who became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, as Eugene Peterson would say, uh, that we are of a faith that has such interesting, I, 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 hate to, I hate to say dichotomies because it's not a negative thing. It's just a thing that doesn't make sense to the world. But as real as the suffering in our lives may be, the Christian faith gives us framework for recalling those times and expressing thanksgiving and how the Lord responded and intervened. The, it is the Christian faith that gives us the, the context to be able to say, I know my pain will not be wasted. 
It is the Christian faith that gives us. And so I say none of this glibly or ignorant of the very real suffering that may be present here today. You know, it's, it's one thing for, for, for this, like, what does this look like in real life? And then another thing for this guy to come up here and just be like, hey, whatever you're going through, recall your hardship and be thankful, right? Um, well, I would say the scriptures give us that framework. If the scriptures give us that opportunity. So again, I, say this, I, say, I don't say that ignorant of the, of the pain and the suffering that may be here today. And so allow me in that sense to comfort you with the, 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 um, the, the biblical posture and the biblical reality of lament, we, right? We also have a, a framework and a context for lamenting, for crying out to God in our times of not being able to comprehend or understand what is going on. But we have, we have that, that precedence in the Psalms of those Psalms that give the faithful the precedence of crying out to God in the midst of great sorrow. But again, also be comforted by how the scriptures assure us that sin, sadness, and death don't have the final word. Sin, sadness, and death don't have the final word. And so a, a, a important component of our thankfulness and our thanksgiving to the Lord is recalling hardship and seeing how the Lord in those times, as the psalmist exemplifies for us, how the Lord, uh, how the Lord, how the psalmist exemplifies for us that the Lord preserved his people, that the Lord preserved them then. It is, it is, um, it is, it is a biblical truth, what it says here in verse one and verse two, so it says it twice in this psalm, that if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, and looking back and seeing that, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. And because of Christ, we also have hope for the future, right? So we don't, we, we don't only say if it had not been, but we are able to say if it were not for the Lord who is on our side. So the second thing that we see, the second move of thankfulness in this Psalm of Psalm 124 uh, comes in verses six and seven, and it's simply just rejoicing in deliverance. Uh, the, the psalmist rejoices in the deliverance. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. And so the first thing that the psalmist does is he recalls hardship. But secondly, in order to be a, a, a thankful, uh, a, a, in order to, to take up this thankful posture, he rejoices in his deliverance. The psalmist rejoices in the deliverance of God. And this is another necessary component if we are to be thankful people. Again, this is not a random act of kindness from God. You remember, remember a couple years ago, some movie came out and everybody went berserk over random acts of kindness all over town. Remember that? That, that, is, that is not the, the kind of, kind, that is, that's great. Hey, good for you. Thanks for leaving that extra tip uh, for the waiter and all those things. But the kindness that God shows to his people is not random. It is not out of the blue. No, it is deliverance based on, remember, we're reading about the character of God. It is deliverance based on the nature of who God is. And so God is not faithful because he delivers his people. Let me say that again, because I'm gonna finish that sentence in a minute. God is not faithful because he just so happens to deliver his people. No, he delivers and preserves and protects his people because he is faithful, because it is who God is. It is what God does flows from who he is, right? And so this leads the, the people of God to be thankful as they retell the story of their own deliverance. 
that we are reading, of course, the, the people would be saying at this time, of course God delivered us. We, we know that this is who God is. Year after year after year, as we, as we celebrate the deliverance from the people of God from Egypt, we, we proclaim this every year, that God is a God who delivers because he is faithful to us. When God introduces himself in Exodus 34, he says, I, th- this is who I am. I am faithful and abounding in steadfast love. This is, this is how God introduces himself. Re- recall the, the rapid progression of Romans 1 this morning in our, um, in our uh, prayer of confession. Uh, we, we were led through, through some, some aspects of Romans chapter 1. And if you, if you recall the rapid progression of, of Romans chapter 1, it is not an onward and upward progression, is it? It's a, it's a downward progression. The, the progression of Romans 1, as, as it recounts the, the people going further and further into their sin, is a, is a progression downward and not upward. We see these downward progressions uh, developed all throughout the scriptures, particularly in, in, in uh, Proverbs. You see in Psalm 1, um, so Psalm 1 is a, is, a, is, a, is a, this is kind of a rabbit trail, but Psalm chapter 1 tells us of one of these progressions that's, that echoes the Proverbs. It's, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And so you see a man walking and then standing and then sitting. There's this downward spiral, this downward progression of our sin. And then look at the progression of Romans chapter 1. You can go there if you want, but we're going to particularly look at verse 21. In Romans, where does the progression downward begin in verse 21? Anybody? My church, we're like super interactive. We, we, we like... We talk to each other. It's really weird. And so um, Roman, Romans 121, what, uh, someone read that if you would. Do you see where the beginning of the downward spiral begins into a life of immorality, into a to a, to a life of licentiousness. According to, to 121, if you just read this whole chapter, it says that they, they, they failed to honor and to give thanks to God. There was a failure to give thanks to God. Failing to, to give thanks to God, church, is not neutral territory. Failing to give thanks to God is not, is not like neutral ground. It's not like, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just kind of drift this way more into holiness. Maybe I'll drift more this way into unholiness. Listen, the, the, the ground of unthankfulness is tilted towards, as Romans 1 would say, unrighteousness. And so failing to give thanks is not neutral but, but dangerous territory. And so this psalm, Psalm 124, re- reminds us of that. Psalm 124 reminds us of the great comprehensive biblical truth Biblical storyline to be a people who rejoice, to be a people who are thankful. And then thirdly, um, in this psalm in verse 8, we see a common refrain. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And so another important move in thankfulness to to being a thankful people is to remember your help. (laughs) Remember, Remember your help. This is the drum that the psalms of ascent have been banging all the way through, that our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Go back, start in chapter 120, and see how many times that sentiment is, 
is, is, is given. That we have a, a, a God who, who made the hills, the maker of heaven and earth. Look how many times through the Psalms of Ascent, as the people of God are ascending into Jerusalem, how many times they recall who God is and the, the power in his might. The psalmist is simply proclaiming who God is. Despite the scene, despite the circumstance, the people of God can always proclaim our help is in the name of the Lord. This is a way of saying, another way of saying this is simply, this is who God is and it is what he does. He rules, he reigns, and he delivers again, not because he just so happens to, 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 uh, to randomly decide to do that, but because if you are a child of God, God's covenant with you is sure. And we know that because, namely, through his son, Jesus Christ, and his, and his defeat over sin, Satan, and death, and the fact that, the, the, as C.S. Lewis again would say, that, the, that one day all sad things will become untrue, that, the, that, that we are not bound forever in this pain. Charles Spurgeon says, says this is a little bit of a longer quote, and so just, just listen to what this says. It says, anger is never more fiery than when the people of God are its objects. Sparks become flames and the furnace is heated seven times hotter when God's elect are to be thrust into the blaze. The cruel world would make a full end of the godly seed were it not that Jehovah bars the way. When the Lord appears, the cruel throats cannot swallow and the consuming fires cannot destroy. If it were not for Jehovah, if our help came from all the creatures united, there would be no way of escape for us. It is only because the Lord liveth that his people are alive. It is only because the Lord liveth because his people are alive. Hey, our ultimate thankfulness is in, again, as, as has been proclaimed time and time again this morning, and I rejoice in that. Uh, our, our ultimate hope, our ultimate thankfulness, again, is in God sending his son, Jesus, on our behalf so that while we were still sinners, while we were yet in the act of sin, as some may say, Christ died for us. One scarcely would die for a righteous person, but, but how much more rare is it that one would die for a sinner? And that's the, the thankfulness that we share. And so as a communal people, this is kind of a, every, every week at Grace Harbor, we, we take communion as well. Um, so I always try to find a way to help us think about what we're about to do in terms of the gospel, right? I mean, that's, that's what it's about. We come to the table, we come empty-handed, and we come and we are assured of God's grace towards us in Christ. And we, we return and we, we pray and we rejoice in what God has done for us in Christ, and we partake in that, that meal together as we proclaim what is true. And so as a communal people, as a communing people, we are a remembering people. I mean, the, the, the precedent for, uh, for communion is what the people of God did every year in recalling their own deliverance from, from Egypt. And what Jesus does intentionally in his final days with his disciples is he connects the, the, the symbolism of the Passover meal with communion, saying, hey, this is, points to a greater deliverance, not a, not a deliverance that, that you have to recall from your ancestors, but a deliverance that you can proclaim for yourself. You've been delivered from the, the chains and the bonds of sin and death and shame because of what Christ has done. And so 
hey, when we take communion together, we are, we are literally remembering. We are proclaiming gratitude. We are, we are practicing thankfulness when we do that together. And so we are remembering people. We are a thankful people. And we are, again, are a people who weekly come to the table as we recall our own deliverance because of the covenant faithfulness of the living God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your, your word. Thank you for the way that it instructs us. Lord, would, would, you, would you help us um, to, to be instructed by your word? Uh, we, we, we don't just come to your word as, um, as, as people to, to, to fill our minds or to fill our intellect, uh, but we come to your word um, to submit ourselves to your word uh, because we believe that through your word you have spoken to us. Uh, we believe that it is through your word um, that we know um, of the Savior, Jesus Christ, who has given his life so that we may live. And so, Lord, would you help us to be a thankful people this morning? Lord, again, you are, you are not um, unaware of, of the hardship, of, of the challenge, of the, um, of the trials um, that are represented in this room that, Lord, on the surface make Thanksgiving a really, really difficult thing for us to comprehend, possibly giving. But, Lord, we, we, sung this mor- we sang this morning as, as a body that we know our pain will not be wasted, that your work is completed in us. And so, Lord, would you, just, would you comfort us by your spirit? Would you help us to be a people who recall each and every day the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we share together now um, in coming to your table. Um, Thank you that we have been forgiven of our sins. And may we be deeply thankful for that. It's in Christ's name. Amen.